Welcome to URI's podcast series, a podcast proposed by the Armament Industry European Research Group. Welcome to the fifth episode of URI's new podcast series, a new format to encourage fresh strategic thinking in the field of European defense industrial policies. In this episode, we will continue discussing the post-Ukraine defense budget increases and the impact on the European defense industry. After Netherlands, the UK, Sweden and Lithuania, we will today look at the case of Poland. To this end, we have the pleasure to welcome Marcin Telikowski, Head of International Security Program at the Polish Institute of International Affairs, the PISM, in Warsaw. Thank you, Marcin, for accepting our invitation. Hello, good morning. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Since the beginning of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Poland made the headlines not only because of its uh, massive support for Ukraine and the hosting of numerous refugees, but also because of the announcement of an unprecedented increase in its military spending, a planned doubling of the number of troops serving in the Polish armed forces, and the purchase of numerous state-of-the-art equipment. With regard to the situation, could you please tell us a bit more about the impact of the Ukrainian war on Poland's defense budget? Well, yes, the impact uh, was uh, straightforward. So that uh, already in March, uh, the decision was made to update the original plan as regards the increase of defense expenditure um, and and uh, uh, boost the, the defense budget of Poland further starting uh, in 20, already in 2023. So whereas the original plan was to gradually increase um, the defense expenditure to uh, roughly 2.6% GDP to be reached in 2026. Uh, the decision informed by the Russian invasion on, on, on Ukraine and the deterioration of European security environment was made to uh, set the defense expenditure level at 3% GDP already in 2023. So, it, so, we, so Poland not only achieved uh, a bigger defense spending, but also far, uh, much faster than already planned. And of course, here it's worthwhile to say that that uh, ever since 2001, Poland was close to 2%. We're spending 1.95% uh, GDP on, on, on defense. And after 2016, it was 2%. So um, in Poland, the notorious 2% was already uh, uh, regarded uh, as now uh, Secretary General Stoltenberg puts it, um, uh, not a ceiling, but a baseline. The Russian invasion on Ukraine uh, prompted uh, the government to decide to, 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 to jump to 3%. Moreover, the boosted defense expenditure will be augmented further with an extra budgetary uh, fund aimed to help the technical modernization um, of the armed forces. So basically, there will be additional pool of money uh, used only to procure new uh, weapon systems and platforms. Um, this, uh, the size of this fund will vary, but for the 2023, uh, it is planned uh, to reach uh, additional uh, 8 billion euro uh, to a total of around 30 billion uh, euro, which would be a record defense expenditure uh, of Poland ever since the end of the uh, the Cold War. So we will have like two uh, uh, main lines of financing defense effort of Poland. The baseline defense expenditure at the 3% GDP 
and the extra budgetary fund, which will, uh, which size will depend on the reaction of financial markets, which which will be uh, buying uh, Polish sovereign bonds. So the money will come from the financial markets. But there will be two ways of supporting uh, defense effort of Poland. So the total spending, if you count uh, uh, these two instruments, the regular defense budget and the extra budgetary fund, can put Poland at well above 4% GDP on defense. So actually, uh, in, in a top of, uh, of a current uh, NATO spenders, with US uh, perhaps very close, also at around 4% GDP. But the extra money, Poland plans to spend on defense will not all go only on weapons and weapon systems. Uh, there is a plan now to increase the size of the military to around 300,000 people. Of course, not all of them will be professional soldiers. Uh, the professional corps will be around half of that, uh, whereas it is now around 100,000 uh, people. But the idea is to uh, grew in size the territorial defense force, so an existing uh, service which has been established a few years ago, and create a new type of service, uh, a one-year voluntary service fully paid for, um, so that uh, the military has the manpower needed. If we speak about, uh, about uh, increasing uh, the number of um, uh, weapon systems and platforms, then clearly you need also people to run the systems. Uh, um, that's why both goals are will try will be implemented uh, in parallel. The, the investment into new uh, systems, uh, into new capabilities, and the increase of the size of the military. Thank you very much. Um, as you say, the Poland was already member of this uh, small club of countries that um, already spent two percent of their GDP in defense. But um, you show that as that there is a real boost of defense budget. And you talked about this um, extra budgetary fund dedicated to capabilities. Could you tell us a bit more about uh, Poland's um, capability priorities? What has been um, identified after the war in Ukraine? And what is the ratio between long-term planning and the rapid filling of capability gaps? I will start with saying that the Russian invasion in Ukraine prompted Poland to double down on its uh, investment priorities, which have been identified earlier. And these priorities are effect of the fact that the uh, majority of Poland's uh, weapon systems uh, are simply outdated. It's legacy post-Soviet or Soviet uh, systems and platforms. Um, we knew that these systems would have to be uh, uh, replaced with uh, modern current generation NATO standard systems. Now, what the invasion uh, uh, resulted in was the decision to speed up this process, hence the amount of money um, uh, planned for defense uh, expended uh, for defense investment. What the additional factor was um, were the donations of uh, military systems to Ukraine. Of course, we don't know all the detailed that data yet, but uh, it is now in public domain that Poland donated to Ukraine a bulk of its fleet of T-72 main battle tanks, uh, a big number of uh, self-propelled uh, howitzers, um, also of the indigenous uh, uh, crap, uh, so-called uh, system, um, and a number of, uh, of other um, um, weapons and weapon systems. So the donations created 
uh, acute gaps in Polish armored capabilities, which which uh, need to be closed, uh, filled in very quickly. This situation, together with the prior decisions and the awareness uh, of the need to 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 uh, replace the legacy systems with new generation uh, weapons and weapon systems, uh, led to a series of unprecedented decisions uh, regarding mostly land systems. Uh, Poland decided to acquire both M1 uh, US-made tanks in two different versions, a brand new SEBV-3 configuration and over 250 of them. So a huge, uh, huge batch uh, and uh, an older uh, uh, M1 SA version, a uh, second-hand one, around 100 vehicles from the US to fill in uh, uh, these gaps. Another decision was uh, uh, was uh, to buy uh, uh, the Korean K2 Black Panther uh, tank, which will be also uh, developed uh, uh, further according to Polish needs and co-produced um, uh, in Poland. Uh, but here the volume is even higher. The, the original, uh, the, 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 the current assumption um, uh, is that uh, Poland will need around 1,000 of, uh, of these tanks, together with uh, self-propelled coasters of the Korean K9 type, which there should be around uh, almost 700 vehicles, uh, again procured in Korea and then kind of developed to meet Polish standards and developed and produced in Poland in a in a special uh, version tailored to Polish needs. So. We have almost 1,000 tanks now in uh, in the plans, uh, 700 self-propelled howitzers, and uh, on top of that comes the uh, rocket artillery. So uh, the original Polish plan was to buy around 500 M142 HIMARS uh, launchers, which now has been changed the plan uh, of buying both HIMARS and the Korean Chanmu missile uh, artillery system. Uh, again, the, 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 the Chanmu number is sensed around 300 vehicles uh, with, of course, a big package of ammunition um, uh, for these systems and as well for as well as for uh, the American Abrams tanks. The, we have just learned the details that that the, the, uh, the contract on Abrams will be uh, kind of uh, accompanied uh, by a, a big contract regarding ammunition uh, and high tech ammunition. So the numbers are huge uh, and uh, to, to, to sum it up uh, neatly, I would say that uh, Poland has moved to a, a wholesale and a very fast replacement of aging post-Soviet uh, land uh, uh, vehicles. Um, you you um, mentioned several examples of uh, non-European um, acquisitions, uh, mentioning um, uh, South Korean or US um, capabilities that were procured by Poland. How much emphasis would you say is given to the development of cooperative projects at EU level compared to um, off-the-shelf procurement? Uh, currently, the, 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 the assumption is that because of these acute gaps in Polish capabilities, uh, the, the pressure is on finding partners which will be able to deliver needed capabilities fast. Hence, the decision to cooperate with US on Abrams and with South Korea on uh, K2 tank and K9 howitzer. This approach leaves uh, uh, a narrower, I would say, field for uh, defense industrial cooperation. Nevertheless, this defense industrial aspect is there with regards to, uh, to 
Southern Korean partner. Uh, as I mentioned, the idea is that first batches of vehicles, both tanks and howitzers, will be the, in the original Korean, almost, let's say, uh, the original Korean configuration. Further will be uh, developed jointly to, to, to uh, um, reflect Polish needs, and there will be bigger involvement of Polish industry in developing and manufacturing these vehicles. But of course, this is a non-European uh, mm -hmm. partner. Out of European partners, uh, it is uh, Italian Leonardo, uh, who, is, who has been contracted uh, to deliver uh, multi-role uh, helicopters. Um, this year and previously, the, uh, the, the, the Leonardo was awarded a contract uh, with regards to search and rescue mine counter, uh, search, search and rescue uh, anti-submarine warfare uh, helicopters. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say that Leonardo in Italy is the, is the main Polish EU defense industrial partner. Uh, mm -hmm. With regards to space technologies, it's friends because we, we, we have had some announcements um, as regards uh, cooperation on, on um, uh, observation. Air observation satellites, yes. Yes, exactly. And what about uh, regional cooperation? Um, has Poland consulted other European countries before planning these um, new expenses? And um, if so, what are the main reasons for this? Well, I'm not aware of any of any uh, consultations. The Polish uh, uh, investment priorities are, however, in line with the assumptions of uh, of NATO with regards to uh, to NATO defense planning, which which puts uh, a burden on the flank states to develop um, a significant military capacity so that they can enable uh, uh, so-called NATO NATO reaction. Uh, so even if I'm not aware uh, not aware of any uh, of any uh, consultations, I have to say that. Uh, that what Poland plans to achieve with regards to, to its uh, capability, uh, its, with regards to its military capacity, uh, is the de facto the implementation of, uh, of uh, uh, the NATO uh, uh, newly elaborated and, uh, and presented strategy of uh, forward defense, so deterrence by forward defense as we as we learned in Madrid. This requires, of course, um, a multinational presence on the eastern flank um, and a strengthened presence, but it also requires um, flank nations themselves uh, to invest in the national military capabilities uh, so that they, uh, they uh, military assets which are at hand pre-deployed because based um, uh, at home, that they are available for an allied defense operation. And mm -hmm. by saying that, I'm I'm trying to point to the fact that this is not a that the Polish plans are have to be seen in the broader context of the of the defenses of the eastern flank in the scenarios of the future escalation with Russia, which cannot be excluded again as we agreed to state in the new NATO strategy adopted mm -hmm. in Madrid earlier uh, in 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 2022. Um, I, I just would like to come back to collective procurement. Uh, in case of collective mm -hmm. procurement by Poland, what would you say are the preferred bodies? Is it um, the EU? Is it uh, bilateral or multilateral procurement? Or is it, for example, NATO through NSPA? Uh, definitely NATO, because uh, as, uh, as uh, the EU and, and, uh, uh, and all the experts in the defense industry field are aware of Poland has not participated in large defense industrial programs in Europe. I mean, programs like Eurofighter, A400M or Eurodrome for that matter. But we have participated, we have been 
trying and implementing the common procurement for the NSPA with regards to, to, to mostly munitions and, and, uh, and let's say, a smaller, a smaller systems. Uh, in the EU, uh, the, with regards to the EU tools, mostly the European Defence Fund, uh, Poland is interested to, 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 to build this trans-border trans um, uh, supply chains and to link its own companies and research centers into, with, with uh, their uh, European, Western European counterparts. Uh, but this is seen uh, clearly as a secondary um, uh, way of, uh, of developing uh, 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 capabilities for the armed forces. So basically, um, uh, the idea is, roughly speaking, that uh, through the participation in European programs, mostly the European Defense Fund, but also uh, programs like ESSOR, uh, which have been, uh, uh, which are predating, so to say, EDF because they have been running uh, in OCAR. Mm -hmm. Poland, the participation in such European programs would give uh, Poland time to get the critical mass uh, so that at some point, uh, bigger uh, cooperation in bigger programs or collective procurement can become a viable option for mm -hmm. Poland. Thank you. Uh, unfortunately, we are already coming close to, to the end of this <laughs> podcast, but I have a last question. Um, so you say that, um, of course, Poland is giving priority to uh, uh, procurement through NATO, but uh, things are slightly moving uh, in the EU. And um, in conclusion, I would like to ask you, what do you think about EU initiatives to reinforce the European defense industry through, core, uh, through uh, common procurement? And I'm, of course, thinking about EDIRPA um, in the short term and in the longer term um, about um, EDIP. So what do you think about these initiatives? And um, do you think that they should allow um, non-European equipment acquisitions? Uh, I think that uh, looking at, at this issue from a, let's say, bird's eye perspective, they are of fundamental importance because uh, the, the, the idea of, of um, using European money to help develop military capabilities means that we add another uh, very important dimension of, uh, of integration uh, projects, so defense integration, something what has for long been uh, uh, tried, attempted and failed. No need to, to, to mention the, the history uh, behind it uh, in this podcast. But uh, at the same time, the tricky thing is that majority of European uh, Union member states need this flexibility to use the European tools to buy not only European stuff, because what is available off the shelf or what can be uh, uh, delivered uh, fast or what can um, assure the appropriate level of interoperability is very often uh, but not in all cases, but very often of American origin or of British origin. Uh, this means that we need this kind of flexibility uh, to, to, to fund also capability development initiatives, which do not involve uh, uh, only uh, European um, prime contractors or European uh, companies, but, uh, but give more flexibility to, to buy non-European systems. Because the, the stake here is not, uh, is not only um, the health, if you wish, the state of the European defense technological and industrial base, but the stake is to actually help 
European Union member states develop their military capabilities. Um, these are the two parallel and equally important goals, or should be. Uh, if we approach this issue from this point of view, then uh, then this flexibility is uh, is needed so that uh, uh, particularly the the the, the EDIP, um, uh, should uh, allow to some extent at least um, uh, to support uh, uh, programs not necessarily involving only European companies. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Marcin, for your very um, enlightening analysis, uh, which allowed us to uh, better understand the recent um, developments in Poland. Uh, thank you very much. I hope uh, you enjoyed uh, uh, our uh, interview.